0: Welcome to the Ransom Life Podcast. Ransom Life is a nonprofit in San Antonio, Texas, and our vision is to see every exploited youth redeemed and restored. Our mission is to equip and empower exploited youth to experience freedom and purpose, and we accomplish this through mentoring, counseling, and awareness. Our hope for this podcast is to bring you information on child sex trafficking that is easy to listen to and easy to share. So we hope that you enjoy this episode.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ransom Life podcast. My name is James, and once again, I'm joined with... Sarisa. And we're so glad that you're taking the time to learn more about child sex trafficking. And if you've been with us from the beginning, at the very first episode, we talked about who, what, where, when, and why of child sex trafficking, uh, really trying to define it as best we can within a short amount of time. And uh, the episodes following that, we were talking about how children fall into trafficking, and we've talked about in one episode how traffickers use relationships to lure children in. And uh, sometimes traffickers also use sex torsion to lure children in. Today we're going to talk about something different. It's called familial trafficking. Uh, Sarisa, can you give us a quick refresher as to what child sex trafficking is and then how familial trafficking ties into that?
0: Yes. So child sex trafficking is the buying and selling of children under the age of 18 um, for the purpose of a sexual encounter, a sexual service. Um, And so when we're talking about familial trafficking, that is when a family member is selling um, or buying, but selling another family member for sexual services.
1: And a lot of times we think within a family that there's a sexual abuse that happens. And uh, sometimes we might get confused that that sexual abuse is trafficking. There's a distinction between uh, trafficking within the family and also sexual abuse in the family. Is that right, Seresa?
0: Yes. So sexual abuse is obviously incredibly unfortunate. It happens very often in families. Um, But the difference is there's no exchange of any um, goods or monetary value. There's no exchange there. When there's an exchange, um, that is when it's considered trafficking. And that I think it's important to note that the exchange, it doesn't have to be money. Like they could be exchanging rent or they could be exchanging um, laundry services. Like if, if you do my laundry, then you can have sex with my daughter. Like there's an exchange of a monetary value. It doesn't necessarily have to be money though.
1: And uh, also I think it's important to note that um, a lot of times people think that a uh, that parents would be heartbroken if their child was trafficked. And a lot of times that's true. Unfortunately, there's a number of parents and a number of family members uh, that don't see it as a problem. Uh, Maybe it's something that they grew up with and they experienced themselves personally and they don't see it as a problem for their children. Uh, That's the unfortunate truth is sometimes that's how uh, it gets started and that's uh, why it happens. And um, unfortunately, there are some parents and some family members that are complicit in the trafficking. Uh, Go ahead.
0: Well, I, I was just gonna say, I think it's important to note with that, that this usually has occurred for generations and generations. And sometimes the family, like for the parent, this happened when they were a child. And so they don't see it as big of a deal. Like they're just trying to survive. They're just trying to get rent paid. Um, And so sometimes it's difficult when it's generational like that because the parent doesn't see it as such a big deal because they've also been through it. And so they don't see it as traumatizing for the kid because it's just the norm. It's the norm in their family for generations. And and that's it's just an unfortunate reality that we kind of have to try and break down some of those stereotypes.
1: Right. And we're about to do that right now with some stories that we're going to share uh, and these stories that we're sharing are from personal experiences as an organization ransom life we've been around for uh, as of now five years uh, it was back in 2015 or 26 it was 2015 it's, so six, six years. years yeah while wow, time is flying we're <laughs> in 2021 uh, so that we launched back in 2015 and we were offering uh, uh, services to children that were being sexually abused and being exploited somehow and a lot of which have been trafficked There are mentoring services that were being offered counseling services and as race has actually been around close to the very beginning she was in the Uh, very first class of mentors that were trained uh, to, to serve with these young people. So she's been around, she's heard a lot of stories and uh, for confidentiality, we're not going to share any specific, any specifics. Uh, We're going to tell you uh, kind of the vague outline of how the story plays out. And I think that's important to note. So Sarasa, do you have uh, any examples uh, specifically you'd like to share?
0: Yes. So we've had this happen um, quite a bit with some of the youth that we serve. Um, and like I was saying earlier, it's unfortunate. It's, um, sometimes it's just something that's very common in their family. And so they don't see themselves as a victim or they don't see themselves as this is a trafficking situation. Um, I think some of the most common, uh, stories that we've heard all revolve around, um, either drugs or rent. So, um, the mother, father, whoever it is, is trying to, Pay rent for their family to live there, and they don't have the money. And so they are exchanging um, their daughter to the landlord or their son um, in exchange for some type of sexual service. It's not always um, intercourse, it could be. Groping, it could, I mean, anything of a sexual nature, um, they're exchanging that for the payment of rent. That's a very common one that we've heard. And they don't realize that it's that big of a problem. And then another common one is the parents or a family member is so addicted and strung out on drugs, they will do whatever they can to be able to get that next fix. And a lot of times that means exchanging um, one of their children for drugs.
1: For me growing up, uh, it, I haven't always been working at Ransom Life, and uh, I took an unusual route to get to working this job where I am now. It wasn't until uh, 2020 that I started working here part time, and at the same time, I was working part time jobs. Uh, it wasn't until 2021 that I started working on staff uh, at Ransom Life full time, and I'm thankful for uh, this opportunity to be working here. But in the meantime, as I was uh, working over the years, I've worked construction, I've worked um, at moving companies, i worked at uh, warehouses. I've done a lot of odd jobs. I've done pizza delivery. I've done a lot. I've walked dogs, a lot of random things, <laughs> but one of them that I've done is uh, I was working at a hotel as a valet. And uh, whenever I say that I have to put emphasis on the V I worked as a valet. Uh, sometimes people think that I say ballet and no, I was not a ballet dancer <laughs> growing up. I think that's important to know. Uh, but I was working valet and, uh, also part of that was me being a, a bellman. I was uh, taking people's luggage up to their rooms whenever they would check in. And, uh, I say all that to say that I was uh, maybe 18 or 19 when I was working as a, a valet. I was taking somebody's luggage up to their room, and I, I met them upstairs at their uh, hotel room, and there was a, a a family up there. And the man, uh, after I dropped off the luggage, he said, hey, I'm so sorry. I don't have any cash to give you a tip, but if you want, I can show you my daughter's breasts. And uh, he kind of laughed about it, and I was kind of shocked, like, what in the world? Uh, what is going on here? And I grew up as a a nice Christian boy, so I've never uh, I've really thought of anything like that. I was shocked to hear that somebody would actually offer that to me. And so, of course, I turned down politely that offer. But uh, if I knew now what I knew then, I would have known that that in and of itself, he was involved with trafficking or at least trying to traffic his child because we know that with uh, trafficking, there's uh, part of it is prostitution, part of it is pornography, part of it is stripping. He was offer, offering me to see his daughter strip in exchange for uh, bellhop services for a tip and uh, that's crazy for me to think about now and at the time i just kind of brushed it off like oh yeah whatever that's weird but whatever but now when i go back and look at it that that's crazy i can't believe that that is actually happening
0: well and that's why family trafficking too is one of the hardest forms of trafficking to detect it's so subtle sometimes um like a service like or an offer like that is a very subtle offer versus um like a more obvious form of trafficking, I guess. Um, and so with the, with the family trafficking, it can be very subtle.
1: Yeah, and that's why we're doing these podcasts. That's why we're bringing you this information. And here in a little bit, we're going to talk about the red flags uh, and what to do if you actually do see this happening. Uh, before we do that, uh, I want to talk a little bit about why don't children leave? Why don't children get out of this scenario? Uh, so do you have any input on that, on why a child wouldn't leave?
0: There is lots of reasons why a child might not leave. Um, a big one is shame. Uh, another huge reason, I think maybe the first and foremost, is a lot of times they don't realize what's happening is a problem like i mentioned earlier it's gone on for generations they've seen their older siblings go through it Um, it's just something that their family does and they view it as you know whether it's exchange for rent or anything like that they're viewing it as they're just helping their family they're helping their family survive um and so I think that's one of the biggest roadblocks to overcome because they don't see it as a problem. It's it's just something that's going on in their family and they don't know that it's unusual until they start talking to people um, and realizing that it's not happening in everyone's family.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times family members, whether it be a parent, a grandparent, or aunt, uncle, whatever the case may be, a lot of times they manipulate uh, this child through uh, a sense of responsibility for the family, like, we need money. We need to pay rent. We need uh, whatever the case may be. We need things. And so this is how you can help this family. You can go strip or you can go, um, have sex with this person, whatever the case may be.
0: And a good point to add with that too, with trafficking in general, but then also with family trafficking, um, sometimes maybe that exchange for goods happened with a person who is a trusted person in the community. I mean, unfortunately it might have been a police officer. They can't pay a ticket back well, maybe there was an exchange for sex with their daughter or son. Um, And so then, of course, they're not going to go to the police and say anything because they're servicing the police or they're servicing um, a teacher. You know, I don't know what it might be, but sometimes it's those trusted people in the society, unfortunately, um, that are receiving those services. And so the child is not going to reach out to those people.
1: And a lot of times we hear stories in the news about uh, pastors even being involved in this as well, uh, purchasing uh, sex or, of course, manipulating children. That's a whole nother story. Uh, but it's hard to find a trusted individual, and that's why this is so harmful, and is, that's why it's uh, bad for children. This is beyond just a physical encounter that this child is enduring, which is terrible in and of itself, but it goes a lot deeper than that. There's a lot of uh, mental uh, things going on with the brain psychologically that uh, they're experiencing. There's trauma that they're experiencing physically and mentally. And uh, that's why this is problematic. And one of these episodes coming up, we're going to talk a lot about trauma and uh, different uh, ways that children experience trauma and how uh, this is uh, a big problem. Because, uh, Teresa, how long does it usually take for uh, a person, a child that is experiencing this type of trauma? How long does it take to find healing?
0: Years. I feel like there's not really even an answer. Each individual is different, um, but it is a multi-year process and it's a multi um Disciplinary process, uh, like James had mentioned, there's so many different levels, and we talked about this a little bit in the the first episode of How with relationships and that romantic relationship, um, and it's even more emphasized with family members trafficking family members because your family is supposed to be someone that protects and love you, loves you, and so when they break that trust and they they break that. Protection and that love, someone that you are supposed to be able to depend on, you can't. And so there's there's such a deep level of brokenness, um, emotionally and psychologically.
1: And far too often, whenever uh, these children they don't find the healing that they need, they don't find the freedom that they need. A lot of times, they grow up with this baggage and they pass it down to the next generation. They either sexually abuse uh, the children. They're Uh, have contact with within their family, or they even go as far as trafficking the children that are in their family. Uh, So unfortunately, that's how it happens. It gets passed down from generation to generation. So as we wrap things up, Seresa, we're going to talk a little bit about red flags and uh, how to report. uh, Some of the red flags that uh, you might see, kind of just like what I explained in my uh, scenario as a valet, where I just so happened to uh, stumble upon it. And at the time, I would have, I just kind of brushed it off. But if I had known now what I'd uh, know, if I had known then what I know now, I would have been able to report it. Uh, so, what are some other uh, red flags that you might be able to spot when it comes to uh, familial trafficking?
0: Um, they are, I feel like they're pretty similar to any trafficking situation. Um a lot of the times, if it's if it's an individual that's working with youth on a regular basis, we talked about this in a previous episode, but it's changes within that youth. So if you're seeing them day in and day out, like at school or church or something where you're interacting with them regularly, um, and there starts to be subtle or even major changes um, in their appearance and what they're wearing, um, in their um, like how they're acting, maybe they're very withdrawn now, or maybe they're the complete opposite. They're getting in fights. Um, there's some type of change you're looking for that. That means something is going on in their life and you need to talk to them. You need to ask that it might not be trafficking. Um, but maybe it's some form of abuse. There's something going on that has triggered that change. And so um, I feel like us as individuals in this society, it is our duty to protect these children. Um, and so it is your business. Ask them what's going on and just, just kind of pay attention to those, to those differences.
1: Yeah, we can't stress it enough. If you do see something, you need to say something. There's different ways that you can report. Uh, you can report to your local law enforcement. Uh, for us, we live in the San Antonio area, so we have the numbers for the San Antonio Police Department, uh, the non-emergency line in our phone, and we also have the Bear County Sheriff's Office number in our phone uh, so that we can uh, start making reports. And We don't have to have the full story put together, but we can report bits and pieces of it, and uh, they put it all together. Uh, there might be something as simple as we saw a car driving away uh, it was a red car, and there was T R L on the license plate. That's enough that might be able to to catch these traffickers, these uh, people that are exploiting children. Uh, so whatever you see, whatever's making the hair on the back of your neck stand up, make sure that you uh, report it because there are children that are uh, getting in, like they're in trouble right now. Especially uh, we're recording right now in the crazy time here in San Antonio or in, in Texas in general. Uh, there's a we're, we're experiencing what we call the snowpocalypse apocalypse. Uh, power's been down water's been out and uh, we've got power for a little bit that's why we're able to record this podcast but uh, as of right now uh, currently at this time we know of a few of the youth that we serve they're out there on the run they ran away from the family that they're with so they can be either uh, just away from them in general they went with somebody else uh, whatever the case may be uh, they're out there on the streets and that can be very dangerous in a time like this where uh, they're trying to survive so it's very critical to be alert be out there on the lookout and make sure to report anything that you see And, uh, do you have any, uh, closing thoughts on uh, familiar trafficking?
0: No, I don't think so. I, um, and just with what James was saying, it's our job to report. It's not our job to investigate. (laughs) there are trained individuals who know what to look for and can investigate um so don't feel like you have to get the whole story um but go ahead and report because you could be saving that child's life um but i just i just want to reiterate that the the family trafficking can be so subtle and it's so hard to detect um and so if you're working with youth just have your um your eyes open I mean just pay attention to little things that might be a little bit off Um, and if anything happens like the story that James shared I mean that stuff happens all the time Um, but now you know now you're educated that that is trafficking and so it needs to be reported so if anything like that ever happens to you um, you need to report it right away
1: And if you found this episode helpful, please share it with somebody that uh, you know with a family member or even with an organization and see if you can have this organization share this podcast out with as many people as you can. Because the more people that have this information, uh, the more likely our youth are to stay safe. And so we thank you so much for listening. Coming up next time, we're going to have an episode about uh, how children fall into trafficking through uh, the use of gangs, through gang-related trafficking. Uh, So we look forward to having you next time and stay safe and uh, have a great week.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. If you found this information helpful, please subscribe to our channel and share with your family and friends. Our goal is to educate as many people as possible in hopes of ending child sex trafficking. For more information about Ransom Life, please visit our website at ransomlifetexas.org.